friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my super annoying hipster uh, and brunch date. Well, that's not me. I don't do that. Oh, that's you. That's you. <laughs> Alex Dandino, of course. This movie is actually how I assumed your life was every day before you had a kid. <laughs> but we'll get to that. So Quick bizarre. business notes, guys. Uh, thank you again, guys. We've seen a lot of response lately, a lot of new subscribers and followers. Thank you. If you find the show somewhere where you can leave a rating and review, please do so, especially the, uh, the quick one or two sentences helps us out a lot on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate that. As always, you can follow us on uh, social. We have the Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we're all over Twitter, film at FilmAlchemist1. You can find us there. Uh, also on YouTube, Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. Uh, and if you guys wouldn't mind, if you like the show, take a second and share it with some of your movie-loving friends, man. That means the world to us. Helps us grow the show. One more request before we get rolling. Next month, uh, Alex and I are going to stuff your stocking. See, I always have to go slow. So As we do. Up. Yeah, we got we to stuff that stocking, girl. So you guys as fans can offer us movies you'd like to see us cover. No theme required. It doesn't have to be a Christmas movie. Uh, any movie that we can both find and watch, right, we will cover on the show. We have two. Right, we're already doing Annihilation and I Saw the Devil, so we're clearing out some back catalog requests. Wow! But we have room for more. So if you uh, listen to the show, get at us on any of our socials, uh, text, email, however you find us or know us, and tell us what you want us to cover, and we'd be happy to do that. All right. So this Alex today, we are uh, wrapping up our the Pod Breaks Bread theme. We are. I'm a little under the weather, guys, so bear with me if I sound a little a sniffly as the show goes on. Uh, today, we are ending on It's a Disaster. Alex. Yes. Why did we add It's a Disaster to the Pod Breaks Bread Month? You know, it was between this and uh, what was the other one we were going to do? I can't clue. Remember. Clue. It was between this and Clue. Uh, we chose It's a Disaster. I mean, personally, I chose it uh, because I wanted to do one that... Some of you might not have seen and probably saw like flipping through Hulu and like the fuck's that and then just slips slips <laughs> slipped right over it. Uh it is a really really I I I like this movie a lot. It's it does all of the things that um you're not supposed to do in movies. Um, which is like if you have a movie with one location like got to spruce it up with a little bit of action here. It's very talky, but it's very fun. <laughs> uh I love this movie. Uh it is a very off the beaten path kind of flick. And it's also sort of the way the invitation is where there's literally like a grand total of three people you recognize and everyone else is just kind of acting their ass off. It's cool. Yeah, I think what's fun and the reason we opted because we originally had picked five uh, realized that's one Thursday too many for us. Um, so we went with this one over Clue because I think our rationale was very simple, which is. When will we get back to this? Clue's going to come up. Clue is a beloved cult classic. Right. Someone's going to want to double feature it. It'll pop up eventually, right? Any number of scenarios where we'll get to that film. This is one of those movies. I happened to see it the weekend it dropped in L.A. in a really small theater in Los Feliz. So I was able to see it. And I remember not a lot of people were there and me being like, guys, you got to go see this movie. And next thing you know, it's already gone. Yeah. And it is. It's just one of those really fun, well-made. What I... What I, my only critique, if I had one of this movie, 
is that it's not very filmic, as De Palma would say, right? right? There's not a lot of reasons that this is a movie right? rather than a play. This feels like the best play you would have seen in years, This right? was written and directed by Todd Berger, who's a big, he's big in the, um, I think he's big in the sketch comedy scene out here. He's directed yeah. a few other things, but he's very big in the sketch comedy scene. So, like, I think this concept, the thing that's ama- I like about this is this concept feels like it, maybe started as an improv exercise and then became a sketch and then just germinated into a play, which they're like, we could totally make this into a movie with like, you know, three of our cast members. And then like David Cross thinks he's interested. So like that, I think is probably, (laughs) again, this is the kind of movie that I like when it gets made because it proves that you don't have to make like, you don't have, you don't have to have like crazy, crazy, crazy talent in a smaller movie like this for it to go for it to go off because this movie is one of those things that flies under the radar but people have talked about it people know about it, it is mm-hmm. decently known and there are some bigger names in the movie that uh do very nice do very nice work but everybody gets a everybody gets a bit i think i like that the most yeah and it's not you know you don't need name talent right i no. feel like everyone in the cast is exceptionally good at their role yeah what i think is funny too is it just shows you this is something I heard Seth Rogen say years ago is that he loved Total Recall so much more than other movies because he's like, it just shows you the extent that an audience will go with you, right? Right. If you just play, like, just take them as far out on the fucking limb as you want and they'll go with you, man, as long as they're having fun. And this movie to me is almost the exact inverse of this, right? It kind of has this sly genre over overtone, right? That it, it uses as cover yeah. to hook you in, right? That, sure. oh, there's some kind of apocalypse been to this but really while it's omnipresent and does alter the decision making it's not truly no wildly important to the I mean, narrative i think what's great again this is like a wonderful use of this narrative device because we actually talked yeah. about this when we talked about the invitation because these two movies are eerily similar actually um right the thing that the it's a disaster plot does better than uh the invitation is and we talked again why is he not just fucking leaving? Who gives a shit about this horrible dinner party during the invitation? What's great about this is it uses its plot device, which is like this cataclysmic apocalypse event to literally lock these people in the house together. That right. is like, that is textbook one Oh one awesome writing because literally you can't leave the house or you'll die. So the alternative yeah. is you sit in there and like suffer a comedy of manners with these idiots. You don't even like anymore. It's yeah, I mean, it's it's beautifully executed, too, because I think I misspoke a little bit. Right. Not that the apocalyptic stuff doesn't matter at all to the narrative. No, but it's, but you could make this movie without the apocalypse. Right. Just, yeah. you know, they're just saying because they're having emotional throwdowns. Right. Or something like that. This is the last time our friends hang out. Whatever. Right. Right. That's kind of what the invitation did. Right. Is, oh, well, we just haven't seen each other for a while. We feel obligated. This one, though, not only is it brilliant and how it catches them in. The world, right? They can't leave. It also puts them in these morally ambiguous moments where decisions are made because oh, this is probably it. And so <laughs> it's this really funny moment of watching these people as the clock is ticking. Yeah. Friend, people who have been friends for a long time and seemingly have made a lot of effort to stay connected. Mm hmm maybe meeting each other for the first time everyone right yeah and i think that's the really brilliant part because what struck me right off the bat was this is the movie this and the invitation but this one much worse where i immediately 
Uh, it made me feel better that I had moved out of L.A. Because I still, <laughs> to this day, I'm like, man, I miss my L.A. friends, right? Like, you know, my social life in L.A. and my, you know, buddies and this and that. These people are fucking unbearable. Yeah. It's it's something that I didn't register when I was younger, saw it in theaters, and lived in L.A. and hung out with people like these characters, right? Totally. Where I, I had forgotten just wildly unlikable oh yeah in the first 27 minutes of the movie right every single person i don't know who you bond to or who you like i mean our lens is kind of david cross because he's also just being accosted by these right uh landmines of a history that he's not a part of yeah but it is i can't think of another movie that has a less likable opening act like because essentially the break into two, right, is when the wife's like, I'll leave. We are getting a divorce. Right. And hazmat suit guy shows up, right? Everything before that. I mean, the arguing over the song and the vegan shit and just every fucking thing, right? I would say. Unbearable human. I would say. Rob re- Zombie level unbearable. I mean, I think it starts right off the bat, honestly. Like, this is the this is the thing that I'm so. Sh- I was always. I, I forgot this is how this opened, but like. The opening gambit in the movie is when Julia Stiles and David Cross walk up to the um, front door and um, the woman played by Aaron Hayes, she opens it and like she's so <laughs> fucking rude to him. Like the, the yeah. she's like, oh, is this the new one? Like that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, that's like that weird sitcom thing. But again, like there's these strange little sitcom bits that are forgiven because the premise itself is so the premise itself is so strong. Because you kind of know what's going to happen. You kind of have a feeling. There's this foreboding sense. Rather than like the way the invitation works, which is like he's there kind of in this like hero capacity still where he wants to save people almost. Mm-hmm. This one is literally like well, that, man, one, all these that people one plays just... a little more. Yeah, that one has a whodunit element where we're constantly right. searching for what is out of place. Right. And this one, they all seem wildly comfortable being around people that all seemingly hate each other yeah this one is what which this one i is think about, is really fun to play because we've all been there right this we've one is about that party this one about is this one's about like who is the worst who's the worst friend in our group here like everyone has <laughs> that group of friends whether you realize it or not you have that group of like six or seven friends that collective of like and I mean, look, I have it. I didn't know I did until, like, we moved up here, and then we constantly saw our friends. And, like, you know, Andrea and I still have friends that we see, like, for holidays and stuff. And I am mm-hmm. – sometimes I look around, and I'm, like, collectively, I'm, like, I think I might be the worst one. Like, I have a feeling I'm that guy. Like – No. If you are imagining that you're the worst one, you have a level of insight and introspection <laughs> that the worst people cannot have. It's – it's one of those the person who's the worst is the guy who's like, God, I fucking killed it at that party today. That guy's guaranteed worse than you. The guy who's the worst one is the guy who's on the phone trying to s- snag an alpha flight comic from someone dr- selling it for five bucks. Not not a good look for our our brethren of the uh, the nerdy, <laughs> I know, nerdy right? elder, elder man. Yeah. I also that's actually something I love. the mo- That's actually the thing I love the most about this movie. That character is such a douche, but. The conventions of like post-apocalypse storytelling 
are just turned on their ass constantly because they're not doing any of the things that normally would come up for them. And he constantly is talking about like, oh, we got to get to like a Target or we got to get to like a Walmart. Like there's, right. there's like bikers out there. We're, 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 we're losing time. You see anybody with bite marks or anything and everyone's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like that's, yeah. that's our brethren. Well, and those are the people that like in those situations, we'd also be like, dude, shut the fuck up. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a, a fish tank for all of us, right, to yeah. swim in with these characters. Totally. What what I like about the movie, I think what it does well, right, the thing that I would say is filmic about this movie is I like the, the layering of the apocalypse, right? So as the world outside's ending, the world inside is also ending, yeah. right? When they sit there and they're like, yeah, we're, we're getting a divorce. We didn't want you guys to find out this way. Over something innocuous, right? Like they can't get their internet and a football game on, right? Right. So this starts the apocalyptic argument. And then she runs outside and is confronted by the guy in the hazmat suit. Yeah. You know, that's the director. Oh, is it? Yeah. That's funny. What, what I like about that, too, is I like this is a movie that even when the world's ending, there is a pettiness to every character that I think is actually fairly true, right? Oh, absolutely. Me and my friend Sam used to fantasize a lot about, like, our road warrior life once it all went down, like how we would behave. Yeah. I think actually we would, I think this movie's probably fairly accurate, right? Oh, this I is, I think, I think there would be a lot more sex and drugs, yeah. but I think that on the way out, I want to get that one last shot yeah. or satisfaction. Like, this is absolutely I think that's that the movie. point is it's always, what is that? I want one more thing before it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and I think what this movie does well is, there are two things that I, I latch onto as very filmic, right? One of my favorite gags in the movie is the nice moment inside of them, you know, bickering or having a heartfelt moment, and then the hard cut to their friends outside where their corpses are being chewed on by crows. It's just one of those beautiful cutaways that a movie can do that a play can't yeah. that all the way draws you back. So as they're having these very personal, and we're getting deeper and deeper into personal bullshit, it just jumps us back, and you're like, oh, everyone's dead outside. <laughs> and it's just a really funny sight gag they do a couple times. Yeah. And also, the extreme close-up on someone having a moment, right? Yeah. There, There is a lot of moments in this movie well, where, yeah. you know, for having come out of sketch comedy, this is real awesome, dramatic touches that well, that's I really what like. This, that's what the comedy is built on. Like, they're, it's layered underneath, like, after the bomb, like, after the bomb um, literally drops, um the that's like the that's like the groundwork for the whole thing which is there is this layer of foreboding and terror but as each person either is more petty or more dramatic more sincere so on and so forth and you start like revealing these actual people the comedy that the the comedy that's acquired in these bits it gets better and better i don't think anybody does it. it actually i think america ferrara might have some of the best like timing in this movie like when they find like when they pick up on the nerve gas stuff like her only thing is like can i have some scotch like she just starts like yeah. drinking and going down the list yeah. and like her like gluttonous dive of like fuck this whole thing like she's the one who's like a teacher and she starts off and like well you know i'm like the administrator for my school because it almost shut down too i'm gonna cook meth inside the kitchen so that we can all just yeah. get high as shit before we all die yeah. Like that's that's the character I bonded to because I, I think that's exactly how I would have. That's been. everyone. That should be everyone. I just want to go out high and fucking like yeah. whenever the apocalypse happens, I'm not going to be the one that's like, 
honey, go get my chaps and my nipple clamps. It's time to battle across the wasteland. I'm like, ah, oh, we had a good run. Yeah. We as people fucked up, and now I'm just going to, like, fucking literally fuck my way out of this. You know that's what exactly I mean? what it is. I mean, so, that's, like, that's the one. This, that's the wonder of the inevitability of this whole story is, like, you don't know. <laughs> you, like, I think that's what's fascinating. You don't know how it ends, but you definitely know how it's going to end. That's, like, the best part about this whole thing is it doesn't really matter how it ends at that point. Because the eventuality will occur, you just, you still, like, by that time you're hooked in enough where you want to see how these people are actually going to play out. Yeah, and actually, we'll get to the ending, because I think they they kind of subvert that a little bit, right? And, uh, again, this is one of those where it has to go one way, just like the invitation. Right. Street does a really good job of finding a, a slight veer, I would say. Yeah, totally. Uh, The scenes, there are just scenes galore that... I thought were fantastic, right? The scene to me that nails this movie, right? If you can only pitch it as one scene, it's when the friends show up late. Absolutely. That is like, and the, they're just talking through the door. The, essentially. That is the crux of the whole story. Yeah. Right. These people who are there for their brunch, right? Their best friends, who whatever. Are like, who are like notoriously late friends. Yeah. And they're just like, sorry, we already sealed it. I don't make the rules. Right. She's trying to like brush it off. Like I'm a doctor. I don't make this up. I'm sorry. And she's like, come on, dude, Gordon's sick. We're your friends, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, and then she has that pause, right, where (laughs) she's making excuses. She goes, well, maybe if you respected other people's time a little bit more. (laughs) And just like, but this is what the movie does well is we're ending, but there is a, a combined pettiness and truthfulness that I adore so much. Totally. Because it is one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate people who are late i hate 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 tardiness and especially now that i have kids it's eight million times worse right oh, yeah, i have totally. to know when i'm scheduled right that alters a lot in my life so that moment of pettiness when because this is the moment right and you do this a lot throughout the rest of the movie where is she truly thinking in a survivalist mindset right like if we open the door we'll get sick like them right right or, and this is a woman who's taking the Hippocratic Oath, or Hippocratic Oath, whatever that is, right? It's Hippocratic. Do no harm, help out, try to save people. Uh, but is it that she actually is in a survivalist, like we can't let the infection in, blah, 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 which she is watching this guy die. Right. Or is it that little separation, right? This is what the apocalypse has now given them, is a moment to stop and have something between them and their friends, right, that has just destroyed this wall. So the the scales have fallen from her eyes, and she's kind of just staring like, why would I risk anything for these fucks? Like, you know what? I actually do hate them. And they do a great job, because early when they're getting out of the car, and she's like, oh, we're going to wait for these people to eat. Julia Stiles is like, we're not waiting for them, right? You know they're... You could tell it's something that bothered her early. It's just like a really subtle, like, we don't wait on them to eat. They're always late. For sure, yeah. And it has that very fuck you tone that when it plays out here... And this is kind of the entire thing, right? Is characters where you don't know if it's survival or, you know, now that I don't have to pretend, fuck these people. And it just is ripe for comedy and drama. Brilliant yeah. scene. Yeah. I mean, again, that, yeah, like I was saying, that scene is just the crux of the whole argument in the movie. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's who are you going to be petty to? The people who are late. Like, 
what are the, what is the thing that annoys you the most about someone? That's the story, and we're gonna turn it all the way up. Like that absolutely has to be how this works, because otherwise, this is just like this weird, like sort of like Ingmar Bergman comedy of manners. If you're not careful, and like, <laughs> I, <laughs> like, like that sense of foreboding you get from like Seventh Seal level of death. Yeah, and then you're just like, well, none of this is funny. All these people are gonna die miserably. Like. That scene is so important to like understanding and like unlocking the importance of the rest of the movie because that's how all of them are. Like everyone's gonna have their own because it's like right before that I think we have that really tender moment with Aaron Hayes and the guy who plays her husband where they're having that like mem- is that, that that moment they're having in the car is that before? I want I mean they have like three of those little key scenes but no no I think they did the film strips first that was their that's first kind of like yeah. oh it was good right yeah and I. I think that's the funny thing about the movie is we go on this journey where all the characters seem to hate each other Mm -hmm. and then start opening up to each other. And by the end of the movie, you almost get the sense that maybe through this conflict, they found some kind of reason to stick with it. It's the same problem (laughs) again as the invitation where I'm like, I would just rather die than hang out with these people. I don't want to die around these people. And I think the weirdest choice they make in the movie that kind of highlights the absurdity of this right because we're seeing engagements called off uh administrator girls just getting stoned people have been having affairs marriages are over um all these scenes right like one of the scenes that is my favorite one of my like couple favorite scenes is i love the moment where david cross and julia styles are just like we'll light some candles and have wine like we'll still try to have a romantic moment right Because it's such a, you know, just trying to light a candle in the storm. Like, why? Why? It's over. Yeah. But it kind of shows the absurdity of all humanity, right? Like, that's all we're here for is just to have that one moment of warmth and a just endless sea of black. Well, like. And it's so warm and tender. It is. But here's the weird part, right? So as you see people grappling with real issues, who are the most honest and happy people in the entire film? Oh, I mean, to me, it's the it's the two that are just fucking the whole time. Yeah, it's the fucking asshole swingers that are breaking up marriages and, you know, whatever. Right. They are kind of as honest as anyone else in the movie. Yeah. Right. And you think Julia Stiles and David Cross and you find out later they've been lying to each other about jobs and Internet profiles, whatever. But so this is the weird absurdity of the movie is. Oh, this is our last chance to get it right or have a good like for those people who just hate each other, right? That married couple hates each other. They both cheated and not cheated in a way that is more traditionally understood. Like, oh, I'm out of town on a business trip. Uh, you know, I found like some night walker in a bar, right? right. And I gave her, you know, money and we did this. Right. This is people who are at their fucking brunches, best yeah. friends, right? Big emotional consequences to these decisions. So much more than just sleeping with a pro, right? Right. And so while they're doing this, those people are having this moment of, we were good together. Like, oh, this is where it went wrong. We should spend our last time together, you know, right? like pretending that we were happily married, pretending and lying to each other in the end. Right. Which is a baffling way to spend your last moments, but very human reaction. So for people to be going through that and then just say, oh, yeah, the weird people who just 
fuck everything that moves and are in the worst cover band of all time. <laughs> right. You know, they're kind of doing it better than everyone else. I mean, so there's just this overall absurdity to like, why try any of this? Right. I mean, like those two are the passive acceptance of the real like grief of impending doom. You know, like they're the perfect prototype for like. I mean, we're here. Let's just, like, you know, make the best right. of it. I mean, to the bitter end, too. Like, they're the ones who have probably one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is, like, everyone's sitting around the table, like, the whole, like, basically you get to the end, you know, and, like, the David Cross reveal where he's, like, this weird born-again Christian, which is hilarious <laughs> because it's David Cross, and he just pulls that off so well. But, like, they're all sitting around the table, and then um, America Ferrara starts, like, saying what's going to happen if they all, like, continue living. Which is like they get zapped with VX nerve gas and they all like start just exploding from within. Horrendous, yeah. Yeah, like these this horrible story. And the meantime, they're all sitting there with like a cup of poison already like drink together. And they both and the two swingers just go, Well, fuck you guys, enjoy shedding blood, and they're like, I'm ready to drink. Like that like <laughs> <laughs> that to me encapsulates so perfectly between that and the the late friends that encapsulates the movie so well which yeah. is like at the end when we're all together like if you're with your friends like yes lovely that's wonderful but yes in this like abysmal pit of blackness that is life sometimes like <laughs> sometimes you got to go out with a bang man and like that's like the best part of the movie is these people are literally like you know what just like let's just get this over with yeah and that's the <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Sorry. It's easy. But that, I think, is one of the best scenes, right? Is one revealing David Cross is trying to poison everyone. Right, which is hilarious. And his subtle turn into, like, I am a teacher. I do teach history, Bible history. And you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> right. But that is, like, a great Julia Stiles moment where she's like, hey, whether we do this or not, like, follow his plan, whether he's right or wrong about drinking the poison, I do want to make a note just to the people in this room who will be dead soon that he's crazy, right? Like, I want that one little way. Everyone knows he's crazy. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that one tally, right? It's so fucking funny. And this is what I I love about the ending, too, because the thing the movie does really well, too, for a movie of this size and scale, is one of my favorite things where we have to extrapolate out what's happening. Right. They do this a bunch where you'll overhear something. Or, like, when the telemarketer from Manila calls, I was like, that's fucking great. Yeah. Brilliant, right? And they're just like, oh, the bridge. Oh, God. Ah, ah. But they never say exactly what's happening, so we're doing all the work, right. right? Like, oh, a couple bombs went off downtown. Who knows? Who knows what kind? So with a little bit of information, we're doing the work. And that's kind of what's happening at the end is there's still this – And I think this is the good thesis of the movie, right? Which makes it more enjoyable than just, you know, watching these insufferable fucks be terrible to each other. Is even at the end, when all the secrets are laid bare, right? And let's even say it's a hoax. Their tomorrow is going to be real bad. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, look, the apocalypse happens no matter what for these six people. Yeah. It's over. The the brunch shit is over, right? And David Cross has that heartwarming like. Let's do it like we thought. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to kill you. But what is funny in the way the movie mirrors the opening scene, which is, oh, I hate when, like, we're listening to a song and it's hitting the crescendo and, you know, people turn it off, like, finish the song. Right. That's exactly what this movie does, right? Where they have that great bit where they're all like, why did you drink it? What do you? He's like, Dave Cross, like, I actually thought this. So good for me because I knew you guys were going to check it out. (laughs) 
And it's like two or three times where they're all like waiting to see who's going to drink it. Right. And I think that's the brilliant part. Oh, and yeah. it just cuts off because it doesn't matter to us. Right. Well, to see that. Right. Because we already know that this is all over. Right. Oh, yeah. But that's what I like is these fucking terrible, terrible people who really deep down probably hate each other. Yeah. That's a question I can ask you in a moment. But like them still clinging desperately I mean, to these reasons to stay around knowing what's coming. I mean, that's the thing that I love the most about that swinger couple, because they have the last lines in the movie because she's like, "Okay, what the fuck? And then it cuts to black. (laughs) But like of all the people to be doing that, she should have been the one to drink the poison first. And she didn't, which means which proves beyond a shadow of a doubt. This whole like every single one of them is such a facade of whatever person they want to be like. These swingers aren't really swingers they are just like sad pathetic people like the rest of us they just don't want they're just not willing to admit it at all right well their fear is not like oh i hope we have enough money and we're stable but this someone will think we're boring right Right. like i know those people totally yeah we all have a streak of that too but what i confronted with cold hard realities in the movie watching these people rewrite new lies is fascinating oh yeah and again when america uh, Ferrara lays out this is what's going to happen like boils on your shit like you know the blood and everything it's so gross and gnarly and like you said the swinger couple not drinking it is the one where you're like oh well they're poking fun at the absurdity of all this and that's kind of that couple's job narratively throughout the movie right but yeah I, I, wh- why like why and this is another one of those moments that's really funny is uh, nerd boyfriend right who's just trying so desperately to like figure this out and you know make plans he has the ninja stars he's like kind of like a grown-up napoleon dynamite in this movie yeah uh when he's like when he throws the guitar right when they're having that house of the rising sun like that nice moment they've all kind of danced and rabble roused like the wild things and they're just having this nice moment of just pathos right like we're just gonna sit here and like sit in emotions and let it let ourselves based in this trauma and he throws the guitar and he's like I'm escaping. I don't know how long it'll be, but I'm going out fighting. I'm not laying down like a dog. And somehow that guy who they all hate, you know, he has some of the least value to the group. Right. And has a very dumb plan. Right. And he interrupts their moment of joy. Right. This party to say, hey, let's go out and maybe die an even worse. death." They all still get in the car. So while everything's falling down, I think the underpinnings of. These people are still desperately trying to convince themselves that there's a reason to keep going. Absolutely. I think that's important to the movie. Oh, no, it's it's it's, not as nihilistic as it seems. It's uniquely important because like there's nothing more. It's like the more we watch like movies like this, not this, but we've watched a lot of foreign movies, too. And there's nothing more American in ideals than we'll survive. We'll get through this like. Again, it's it's like uh, you know getting under your it's like getting under your desk during a nuclear explosion. Like, oh, we'll survive if we do that. <laughs> like, it's the exact same mentality. Yeah. And it's like the most American filmmaking uh, thing that you can put in a movie is like we'll survive this cataclysmic event because you know bad things don't happen to us. But like, yeah. Well, also they're upper upper middle class white hipsters. Right. Exactly. It's what I'm saying. So they're like, all like 
this is going to be all right. We'll be fine. We'll figure it out. <laughs> like, hey, like we put duct tape on the walls. We're fine. Like nothing bad will happen. But like yeah. our town has a Whole Foods. We'll be all that's right. That's like the crux of the <laughs> argument, though. And that's the thing I love the most about this. Really love the most about this movie is that throughout the entire um, the entirety of the story, everyone is still clinging to the idea that maybe it's not maybe it's maybe it's all right. It might not be a thing. <laughs> like there's still this like shri- like we've heard the guys from Manila watching the news. We've heard a, a radio the radio report that cut out. We've had uh, a guy show up in a hazmat suit. The friends who died on the front lawn, and yeah. yet they all load in the car thinking they're going to outrun gas. Like that's like that's true. It's it, it's all it's like this also this like microcosm of friendship too. It's like. You're willing to put your friends through so much shit, but at the same time, like, you still want to stick together, like, to prove that you're that good of friends, like, you're better friends for it and all that bullshit. But, like, if people like this were sitting in rooms together like this and something bad happened like that, absolutely not. Like, I I mean, like, at least, at least the David Cross guy would have been like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I don't know what's going on. Like, yeah. That's like the amazing thing about the movie is even David Cross gets lumped in with this ca- these characters and you kind of totally forget that he's the new guy until the end. Right. Well, I think <laughs> what the movie does well is it it kind of breaks us all down to these kind of whatever everyone is and what lies they're crafting throughout the movie. By the end of this, we are all just because that's like one of these things, right? This movie's like idiosyncrasies idiosyncrasies it's trying to like sprinkle them everywhere right so you know that it has indie cred right (laughs) and at the end of the the movie right i sit there and i was just kind of like no matter who these people were what all of them are is just kind of this collection of fears about what they aren't yeah right and even in the end right when they're about to drink rat poison and uh the nerd right grown-up napoleon's just like i just I really don't want my last drink to be Merlot. <laughs> yeah, that was like, right, because even in the end, he wants to make it known that he has this refined palate I would really, of sorts, right? I understand. I would just really like a white wine. <laughs> like that. Yeah, I love the idea of making demands as, like, you know, the meteor is coming down, just like us, the dinosaurs, just being like, if I could talk to the manager one more time, <laughs> just so I don't. You know, take this That's enormous funny. grievance. In, in to that my scene, grave. I was actually in that scene. I was watching it, and I was thinking to myself too. I was like, "Do you think there's got to be like, if in the history of like Jonestown and Heaven's Gate and all those guys, there's got to be one guy that I didn't really like this flavor of Kool Aid? Actually, like there was that one guy. <laughs> there was that one guy who's like, there's oh, always that guy, right? I but mean, I, I, I love that though. I think yeah. it's one of the most human traits we have. Totally is. And it's, it's one of those things, right? Like, people are always like, oh, keep a thanks journal, right? Every day, wake up and say what you're thankful for. I'm as guilty of this as anyone, right? Like, little things in my life that, you know, aren't a big deal, but I'm dramatic. So I get like, oh, oh, woe is me. Right. And then you stop, and you're like, in your mind, you're like, god damn it. Like, your kids are healthy. You're healthy-ish. You know what I mean? Like, you have food. You have a roof. Like, what the fuck? People, you know, you know eat fucking shit for breakfast and they you know don't bathe what you try to like sell yourself on being happy right and then that like bitchy party you just go shut the fuck up like you don't understand my misery it's like this little angel devil thing 
where you're trying to tell yourself, hey, it's okay. And the other party is like, no, be miserable. It's really such a, a quintessential part of all of us, yeah, right? Totally. In life in general, the whole the whole kind of premise of this thing is just to stay alive long enough to get more things, to continue <laughs> to stay alive and keep littler versions of you alive, right? right? If you really boil down what the meaning of life is, like on just kind of like game theory level, that's all we're doing here. Right. So it makes sense that even at the end, even as giant emotional truths are happening, there's still a part of us that's making it, well, it's a little worse for me because I have to drink Merlot. <laughs> or it's a little worse for me because this guy who was the rock of the group throughout the apocalypse, he is pretty crazy, right? Like, yeah. they're all still trying to register that last, there but don't forget like, about me. Yeah, I mean, there is, like, the ultimate... It, it's just a movie that examines the true human condition, which isn't like it's not complicated. Like we all want what we want. We're all singularly motivated, like especially if you I mean, listen, none of these characters have children. I'll say that. Like, I think if you right. have kids, your mind shifts a little bit. Your focus changes considerably. But like when you're just you and someone else or just you. Yeah, like you're pretty singularly motivated. You're your survival and that's your life. Like it's survival and then on top of that, what else can I get? Like that's kind of how that's kind of how anyone who's in a relationship, just like just them or just by themselves, that's how you probably are thinking right now. Right. And what this movie does with its characters is it kind of takes survival out of the equation, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. These characters have no it doesn't seem like these characters have big flaws, right? Right. Even the wedding singing couple, you don't hear them. It's not one of those, like, it would be cliche for the movie to be like, oh, well, they're having trouble with their bills, and oh, right, you know, this and that. They're on hard time. And movie never does that, right? Everyone seems to be pretty well off. They're okay, at least. And so what it does is it focuses more on the not what we, we don't want what we want. We want what we aren't and don't have, right? And this is why you fuck your best friends, whatever, because you have this, this closeness of, so the girl who's with the the wedding singer, right? Yeah. She's saying like, oh, we're so chaotic and unstable. But that guy, they've been a couple for so long, right? There, There is some allure to that. Like maybe I could be comfortable and have that. Right. Doesn't work out, right? They go back their other way. And then that couple's like, oh, well, maybe if I fuck Buck, he's a little wilder, younger. Like maybe he'll do something different. Right. And then you're. You just at the end of the day, you realize, oh, well, I just want to do that because it's new. Right. Right. It'll give me a new emotional response. And I I love that the movie kind of focuses in on this a lot. Yeah. Right. This it it's this last chance for people to try to, you know, oh, I'll solve it all in three hours. Right. right? Like, well, like I'm going to they all have this this myth. Right. When they're listening to the House of the Rising Sun. Where it's like, ah, we've changed. Like right. we've come full circle. It's like they no, haven't. None of you well, have. It's the like the real beauty <laughs> it's the real beauty of the film is that like when you take survival out of the equation, what are these people left with? They're left with yeah. their idiosyncrasies and their petty squabbles <laughs> and like what ultimately makes friends friends. Because look, at the end of the day, like I I love all my friends. The five that I have kept over the years, I love them all. <laughs> but I also there's things that annoy me about them too. Like, that's really, like, the important thing about the movie is it's about what friendship, like, what friendship is once you take, like, once you put a tick, once you put a ticking clock on it. That's really kind of, yeah. like, what it boils down to for all of them. And, again, it's just, 
it's fun to watch. I mean, David Cross again. Like when you watch it, knowing what David Cross is, it's actually it. You see the hints drop, but like yeah. he is kind of this like. <laughs> Again, like they keep, they do this constantly. Like they subvert the moral focus of the movie. Like for a long time, you think it's David Cross, and then he like drops the bomb, and you're like, oh, so literally no one is good. Got it. Okay, yeah. cool. Like that's, but that's fine. That's how this yeah. narrative works. Right. And I think that's, that's what the movie does, right? Is while all of this is tragic and there's real, like you could read this, a synopsis of this movie. And it would sound very lifetimey, right? Like trapped in a house, can't leave, right. uh, you know, disaster. Couple finds out they've been cheating with other couple. Other couple calls off engagement. You know, first date people ponder about how many kids they would have had. It feels very lifetime. But what the movie does so well is it finds its comedy by just showing you that none of this matters, right? Because yeah. we're not going to survive and forge on in a post-apocalyptic world like right. Napoleon's talking about. Yeah. And so we are just left with this this kind of notion and I think what the movie does exceptionally well too is I think a lot of us have friends that we think fill a part of us, right? Or spouses. It's kind of this, oh, well, if I have them, we'll be this together like a, you know, fucking Megazord from Power Rangers. Right, right. And when you take that away <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, I'm I'm fucking done. Like I'm dead." Yeah. You start pondering who you were and what was your value. Right. And I think universally most of us would say i didn't do good enough right it's just like a built-in flaw of us again that we need more and more more and so then once you have the realization like well i'm dead and i've surveyed my life not impressed uh now i kind of hate all you guys for just accepting me like this and not helping me do better (laughs) right so there the the inevitability the kind of pointlessness of it I think set the stage to where when it cuts to black and we don't actually see them die, it reminds us that while nothing any human has ever done is probably of true consequence in a kind of cosmic, uh, you know, sense, everything we do is wildly important, yeah. right? Like, what else is there? It's the only game. Yeah. It's I, the only game. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's the, yeah, that's the best part about the movie is that yes, in the cosmic grand scheme, it doesn't matter. It's the idiosyncrasies. It's the idiosyncrasies in our lives that are hugely important on a hmm, metaphysical scale. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, let's just start using big smart words that I don't understand. Yes, metaphysics. Well, like even in even even in the world of the film, right? Even all the way to Manila, it doesn't matter. Yeah, right? who cares? But what? is true is that while they're shitty people and they've all betrayed each other and their world is ending at least they're not going out alone yeah right they had a couple they had a couple yucks also right also i'd rather go out drinking wine with someone than hazmat suit guy i don't disagree also i want to give this movie a serious credit great florida joke wonderful florida joke in this movie oh the orlando yeah perfect We're a pod. Uh, we're a podcaster that definitely love Florida jokes. <laughs> yeah, I just, I think it's it's a perfect mix of kind of a an American drama, like a, a you know a play. Like this could have come out in the eighties. Oh yeah, you know, is this well? If the Russians nuke us, right? This is an here's excellent. What it would look this like, is a, right? I mean, this could have come out in the eighties, the early two thousands. Like just in general, yeah. this is a great. I mean, it came out in two thousand twelve. Right. Like in general, I think this is a great movie about the. <laughs> This movie is a great, great movie about 
how futile things are, but how important the futility is in our lives. Yeah. Well, it's again, it's it's this kind of giant SUV of, ah, this is the perfect American play, right? We hear a lot of talk about that, like, ah, the lone American playwright. Look at what he's done exposing us. (laughs) So it has this kind all the structural features of this kind of, ah, this will be important to us. And then at the end, it's just filled with fucking clowns. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's the perfect summary yeah. for all of us and life in general. So while it has all these big structural concepts and, you know, tools, it really is just there to deliver this really funny mirror to look at ourselves. Yes. Through. And it's excellent. and I think it's it's a great <laughs> final uh, pod breaks bread. Right. This is a, a very memorable and underseen uh movie dinner scene man i think it's really it's just a fucking fun movie definitely a perfect blend uh that just really accomplishes a lot more than it should have probably so that's it guys the pod has broken bread next month uh we're coming to stuff your stockings in a fun way tell us what you want yeah your chimney socks so tell us santa griff wants to know what you want in your stocking I'm going to reach out on uh, Twitter and stuff, too. But you guys tell us if you reach out and you give us a movie, we are going to try to do as many as we can. You know, we can't cover everyone. If all of you came at us at once, that would cover the show for the rest of eternity, probably. But we want to get as many done as we can, ideally doing like two a week. Right. Because that's that's the most important thing in the show to us is we just want to have talks about movies we all love, man. So what better way to do that? then to you tell us what you want specifically agreed uh so that's it guys hit us up uh again leave us a rating and review share this on your socials uh with a friend who likes this movie or any of the other movies we talk about man uh for the film alchemist i'm josh griffey i'm alex dandino we'll see you next month peace